Hello, I'm Mary, and you're listening to First Pages Readings. In this podcast, I explore reading and celebrate books as cultural messengers. Each episode, I'll read from three books of either fiction, nonfiction, young adult, middle grade, or poetry. Hello and welcome to First Pages Readings, episode 32, and thanks for joining me. Today I'll be reading from three books of nonfiction. Let's get started. Today's first book is Eat the Buddha, Life and Death in a Tibetan Town by Barbara Dimmock. This book is part history lesson and part cultural study. The author presents a deep dive into the town of Naba, providing historical context to first-hand accounts. It is difficult to read about the destruction of people and their culture, and yet Dimmick's narrative is like reading engaging storytelling. I learned a lot from reading this book and have a greater understanding of Tibet's history and geography in general, and about Naba's citizens and their struggle to preserve their culture and sovereignty. The first page of Eat the Buddha, 1958. Gongpo could smell the smoke before she could see what was happening. Although she was just seven years old and not well-versed in the politics of the day, it confirmed a nagging feeling she'd had for weeks that something was amiss. She was on her way home with her mother, sister, an aunt, and a convoy of servants. They had been away, attending the funeral rituals for her uncle. It had been summer when they set out for her uncle's village, but they'd been away for 49 days the traditional mourning period between death and rebirth for Buddhists. Now it was early autumn, and the evening chill whispered of the snow that would soon creep down from the mountaintops. Today's next book is The Smallest Lights in the Universe by Sarah Seeger. This book is about loss, about how we grieve and how we heal. It's also about curiosity and wonder. The author is an astrophysicist and has written a memoir that is part personal essay and part scientific discovery. The first page of The Smallest Lights in the Universe Not every planet has a star. Some aren't part of a solar system. They are alone. We call them rogue planets. Because rogue planets aren't the subjects of stars, they aren't anchored in space. They don't orbit. Rogue planets wander drifting in the current of an endless ocean. They have neither the light nor the heat that stars provide. We know of one rogue planet, PSO J318.5-22. Right now, it's up there. It's out there. Lurching across the galaxy like a rudderless ship, wrapped in perpetual darkness. Its surface is swept by constant storms. It likely rains on PSO J318.5-22, but it wouldn't rain water there. Its black skies would more likely unleash bands of molten iron. It can be hard to picture, a planet where it rains liquid metal in the dark, but rogue planets aren't science fiction. We haven't imagined them or dreamed them. Astrophysicists like me have found them. They are real places on our celestial maps. There might be thousands of billions of more conventional exoplanets, 
planets that orbit stars other than the sun. In the Milky Way alone, circling our galaxy's hundreds of billions of stars. But amid that nearly infinite, perfect order, in the emptiness between countless pushes and pulls, there are also the lost ones, rogue planets. PSO J318.5-22 is as real as Earth. Today's third book is Wind, Sand, and Stars by Antoine de Saint-Exupéry. Reading this book is like stepping into an adventure, beautifully written and deeply felt. The book captures the author's experiences as a pilot, including during wartime. His reverence for life and his love of flying come alive, soar off the pages of this book. This book is a treasure. The first page of Wind, Sand, and Stars. Any mispronunciations are respectfully unintentional. The Craft. In 1926, I was enrolled as student airline pilot by the Latte Correr Company, the predecessors of Aeropostale, now Air France, in the operation of the line between Toulouse in southwestern France and Dakar in French West Africa. I was learning the craft, undergoing an apprenticeship served by all young pilots before they were allowed to carry the mails. We took ships up on trial spins, made meek little hops between Toulouse and Perpignan, and had dreary lessons in meteorology in a freezing hangar. We lived in fear of the mountains of Spain, over which we had yet to fly, and in awe of our elders. These veterans were to be seen in the field restaurant, gruff, not particularly approachable, and inclined somewhat to condensation when giving us the benefit of their experience. When one of them landed, rain-soaked and behind schedule, from Alicante or Casablanca, and one of us asked humble questions about his flight, the very curtness of his replies on these tempestuous days was matter enough out of which to build a fabulous world filled with snares and pitfalls, with cliffs suddenly looming out of fog and whirling air currents of a strength to uproot cedars. Thank you for spending time with me today. If you liked listening to this episode, please subscribe.